0: Speed slower, above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan, additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. What's happening, guys? Happy Friday! And thank you for joining another special episode of Your Welcome presented by DraftKings, an official sports betting partner of UFC. Download the DraftKings app and use code Shale to get in on the action. And man, I got a lot to talk about. On today's show, I will give you my official prediction for tomorrow's main and co-main events. Plus, I got all the questions you ask, everything regarding Nick Diaz. And speaking of that, I want to dive deeper into the people's main event, Nick Diaz versus Robbie Lawler. Gilbert Melendez was talking about Nick Diaz. I don't think anybody should be allowed to talk about a Diaz brother if Gilbert's in the room. It should should always go to Gilbert, he's been training with them forever. He's good friends with them, he knows them inside and out, and Gilbert's made a very, very simple comment. He just said, if Nick Diaz wins, Nick Diaz will be in title contention, everybody will call him out. I agree. I agree. And I think some of you were gonna push back and go, what are you talking about? He hasn't fought in five years, and what about? And then you're gonna bring up a local name. You're gonna bring up a Luke, sure you are. You're gonna bring up a, a Leon, you're right to do so. You're gonna bring up uh, Gilbert Burns, absolutely. The trouble is, okay, cause you gotta take Gilbert's comment, both. He made two comments here. If Diaz wins, he will be in title contention. He will be called out by everyone. Now, why did Gilbert add that? What does that have to do with Gilbert's premise? Do you not see it? Do you not see it? If Luque is in front of Diaz, if Leon is in front of Diaz, if Gilbert is in front of Diaz, should we throw Masvidal in there? If Masvidal is in front of Diaz, if they call Nick out, they're now not. Do you see the problem? And do you see where Gilbert's statement ties in together? Nick will become the number one contender. Not with a win over Robbie Lawler. Nobody can go beat Robbie and then go fight for a championship. Not with one win in five years. None of those things. He will become the number one contender on social media when the rightful number one contenders, which in all fairness is a little bit of musical chairs, regardless of what the rankings are, Leon, Luke, Gilbert Burns, they're all number one contenders, Right. They will call out Nick. That is the same as passing the baton right to him. That's the mistake that they will make. However, if you don't make that mistake, you then miss out on the sweepstakes. It's not like the, the guy that doesn't speak up and says they want to fight Nick is going to get the fight. It's going to be somebody who does speak up. Do you see the problem? If you're ranked number two and you call out number nine, you're not ranked number two anymore. And by the way, if number three calls out number nine and number four calls out number nine, there's only one commonality there, which is number nine. Number nine just became number one. That's how this works, and that's what Gilbert is predicting. And Gilbert's right. Gilbert's a hundred percent right. Nick Diaz will become a tit- and All he said is a title challenger, right? And I just laid out three for you. The same as I am telling you. I don't really know who the number one contender is. It's not who's got the highest ranking between. Luque, between Leon, between Gilbert. It's not. They're the same guy. That, those are three great choices, period. So then you start to have the moving parts. You start having the politics in there. You start saying, well, who is the champion? Is it going to be Usman? Who does Usman want to fight between those three? I'll predict for you between those three, he wants to fight Luque. I have no insider information on that. I'm putting myself in Usman's shoes and thinking "What what I want to do. I'd want to fight somebody new as opposed to a rematch. If I could, Chael's guess. If Nick goes out and gets a win, though, everybody, in including Kamara, is going to speak up, but will Kamara even have the belt? Now all of a sudden, you got to get Colby's opinion. And some guys are going to want to fight Nick just to get the rub, to get the attention, to get the placement on the card, to get the money. Some of them think they can beat him. They think, hey, that's a good match. And there is a blueprint to beat Nick Diaz. There is. Nick will cooperate with you if you take him down. He has believed from the beginning of his career, even though he's yet to find a single judge to agree with him, but Nick believes he can win a fight from his back. And I don't mean to submit you. I mean, he believes if you go five minutes and four of them are on the ground and he's on bottom, that he is being the aggressor, that he is showing the technique, that he is doing the damage, and that he should win. He He believes it. He believes in jujitsu that much. He's never met a judge who has backed him up. But his mindset is very locked in. I, and I only bring that to you just because there's some opportunity that I believe some other guys see. I believe a great ground fighter like Masvidal is going to see that as an opportunity or use Covington in that place or use Gilbert Burns in that place. They're going to see that as an opportunity. Leon, very different fight against Nick. Leon's a very different fight because of his style. Liam's going to try to stand with you. It's just a different, it, you see where things start? You got to let these things play out. Dana has given the same answer for 20 years at a post-fight press conference when some member of the media will always ask him, what's next? Fill in the blank. Never been a press conference, Dana White's attended where somebody doesn't ask him what's next and then fill the blank. What's next for this guy? What's next for this young lady? What's? Dana says the same thing 100% of the time, which is, we'll see what happens. But Dana's referring to a lot of moving parts. And his number one part isn't social media. It isn't how these guys are going to argue or who gets the headlines or what the fans want to see. That's part of it. But Dana's also speaking to these guys being decompressed by a commission in the back. And one of these guys going to get suspended. Seven day, 30 day, 90 day. You've got some paperwork. How's, you gotta, Dana's answer is right. Let's see what happens. Today's Saturday and I only need till Tuesday. But in that 72 to 96 hours, let's see what happens. That's what he's talking about, just so you understand. Because you're going to see this question be asked as recently or as soon as the next press conference. And he will give you the same answer. Let's see what happens. So let me ask you a part two to this question, okay? Does the impact of the first fight between Lawler and Nick that was 17 years ago have anything to do with this contest? You could try to be as sophisticated and analytical as you want. That is a mental question that only those athletes would know. If you want the real answer, You want the talking points? I could spend five minutes here. You want the real answer, only they know it, and they would probably never never reveal it. Does Robbie Lawler have something where he got big brothered and put down by Nick Diaz that has haunted him, that he's feared and or respected for 17 years that hasn't gone away? Because if the answer is yes, he's got a problem. Did Nick Diaz, even in victory, feel something within that fight that all these years later all the experiences and all the changes and all the training camps later that he hasn't forgotten that bothered him because if the answer is yes, then there is going to be an impact. And it's very tough to know based on what you see and or hear because fighters don't come tell the truth. They're not looking to lie to the audience. They're looking to convince themselves. Fighter can't come out and say, I'm scared. He He doesn't want to believe that. Wants to say something else and convince himself of it. Make it become a reality. Nick Diaz has surprised me with the respect he has shown Robbie Lawler. Nick came out as recently as three days ago and said, my approach to this fight will be a lot more sportsman-like than our first one. I I was 22 years old when that happened. I was in a different spot. Now I train and work with kids. I want them to see a different approach to sport. Okay, great. Fully respect it. But does that change then change the result? Because we saw it change with Connor. When Connor came out on the PR tour and tried to be Mr. Respectful and quit doing some of the antics, quit having some of that chip on his shoulder and some of his anger, it also affected his performance. They were hand in hand in line. Aggressive Connor in the media was aggressive Connor in the ring. And nicer, more respectful, reserved Connor in the media was nicer, respectful, and more reserved Connor in the ring. They went hand in hand. So does anything have to do with Nick? Should should we be drawing something from that? Because I can't help but notice it. I can't help but notice it. He has been anything but giving the middle finger to Lawler. He's been anything but trying to agitate Lawler. But Lawler's never going to play that game anyway. Lawler didn't play it the first time. Lawler didn't play it when he was headlining shows. He He didn't play it when he was winning or fighting for world championships. Lawler's real steady himself. And there is a new Robbie Lawler. He doesn't always show up, but he exists. He did not exist 17 years ago. There was one Robbie Lawler, a street-fighting badass that's going to get you out of there in five minutes or he's going to lose. The Robbie Lawler that captured the world championship that someday will be inducted into the Hall of Fame is a very different man, a very different athlete, a very different tactical approach. He's still the brawler. He's still in there in a cage fight. He'll let you hit him if he can hit you he's, he's still that knucklehead he's stu- Robbie's stubborn he is stubborn but golly he's also dangerous for 25 minutes and you got to find that Robbie and I've been asked many times particularly when Robbie was on his run I just got asked hey Chael, what's different? What is different now with Robbie? How later in life, how it is in, in his 30s is he doing better than he did in his 20s? I could only tie it to one thing. I could only look at the Robbie Lawler map and tie it to one thing, which was his move to Boca Raton. Is that where ATT is? The ATT, right? When he moved out to the ATT, Things were very, very different, and I heard from the guys in the gym with him how damn much time Robbie spent in that gym, specifically on strength and conditioning, that you could not go to the gym and not see Robbie Lawler. If you called him and you couldn't reach him, just go to the gym. Like, this was a known thing. He was living in the gym. Now, I know from other guys, I know from his time with Miletic, I know to his time at Power MMA in Arizona, that just wasn't the case just wasn't the case. Many stories where Robbie came in, he didn't really like to warm up. He liked to go hard, boom, he's out the door. There was something about that move, whether it was the training, whether it was the motivation, where it was just that time of his life, it was the hunger, I, I don't know. But I am right to tell you it was when he moved to the ATT. It's relevant because if I'm right. If I'm right and some kind of magic was happening there, he's left the ATT, that matters. If you look at his last couple of fights, including the one with Ben Askren, he was gone from the ATT. So we didn't see that that 18 and 23-minute Robbie Lawler that Rory McDonald and Matt Brown and Johnny Hendricks had to deal with. We didn't. But is that because he didn't exist or is that because he got overwhelmed? Is that because he got caught in those fights and they were over by then? I'm only sharing for you if I'm right. If that tie in that lock into ATT is what made the world champion a future Hall of Famer, I'm just reminding you he's now gone. What do we make of that? All of this is going to be clear when I see you guys next week. This is all going to be so clear once it's done. But leading into it, it's it's tough. We would normally be very wise and historically correct to say Nick Diaz has no chance. He hasn't done this in five years, and by the way, he didn't leave on top when he left. He has no chance. But then you hear from Gilbert, and Gilbert knows him and sees him and is close with him and says, look, he's been training every day since then. Gilbert said he follows a very strict uh, pescatarian diet. I know that to be true. If you're ever having a soft drink, Nick will walk up and just dump your soft drink out. He'd been on this diet for a long time. I know he looks fantastic. When he came back, he did it through Instagram. Weighed 168 pounds four months ago and was talking about dropping to 155. He's competed in triathlon since he wasn't in the gym as much. He wasn't doing as much sparring. Gilbert spoke about that. But it is very different if a guy just leaves. And generally, when a guy comes back, he also comes in a different weight class. That's also very synonymous with a comeback. He's in a different weight class because he's not at the level of fitness. He hasn't been working as hard or training as much or as dedicated. He had to go up and wait. Not only did that not happen with Nick, there was discussion of Nick going to 155. So it is a different level of condition. It is a different level of lifestyle. It's very different than somebody who left. And even when I tell you that Nick didn't leave on top, Nick left on his own terms. Nick had lost a fight, but it was to the people, to the greatest of all time. There's a little bit more to it at a different weight class that he'd never even been. I mean, there was a little bit more to it. He didn't leave down and out. That's for damn sure. I don't know why he left for so long. I'm glad that he's back. But I feel that it's very tough if you were to lock in in an argument with somebody and lock in. Say, here Lawler's going to win and I know it and here's why. Or to do it and Nick's going to win and I know it and here's why. You're flipping a coin. You might be right. I don't think you have anything to go on. I don't think this is a comeback like any other fight we've seen. And I will remind you, again, Lawler hasn't got a whole lot of minutes in in recent years. They in terms of time away, I understand it's much better for Lawler than it is for Nick. But not in that recent of time. They're both in many ways making a comeback. My official prediction for Nick Diaz versus Robbie Lawler. I'm taking Nick Diaz, and guys, I'm not bullish. I got to tell you, as a matter of fact, I'm taking Nick Diaz. I just put the curse on him, didn't I? Some of you aren't going to be happy to hear that I said that. Tommy from the Bronx is going to be lighting me up. He's not going to be happy that I said that. I've gone back and forth. It has not always been Nick. Nick has convinced me that he stayed active. He has reminded me that he had his way with Robbie in Robbie's world, which was the stand-up in their first fight, even if it was 17 years ago, and that's not much to drop on. Nick's teammates have convinced me that Nick has been working hard, that that's evident of what he weighs right now, evident of the fact that he was 2 pounds underweight 5 months ago and considering going down to 155 pounds. I had to be reminded that when Nick left on a loss five years ago, it was up a weight against who people say is the greatest of all time in Anderson Silva. There was some moving parts there. And that Nick was having problems with the commission. And I can't fully remember that. He had some kind of an Usada, and Usada said, You got a whereabouts, you're in violation. And Nick said, Man, I've retired. I retired and I publicly retired, which is an interesting argument. I can't even remember how that played out because that is a real thing. If you retire, what's that mean to retire? By the way, you guys ever see that office where Michael's got to declare bankruptcy? So he opens his office door and he yells to his coworkers, I declare bankruptcy. And then the CFO's got to come over and kind of explain that's, that's not a declaration of bankruptcy, that there's some paperwork to it. Well, retirement is what Michael Scott thinks it is. If you say the words, I am retired, you're done, You're out. Now, that comes with consequences, which it, now USADA can't won't come in and test you. At the same time, you're removed from the pool, and if you want to come back in it, there's also a way where you've got to declare that you're back, and then you fall into a testing procedure. I mean, there's no game that you're going to play there with the United States Anti-Doping Agency. But on that whereabouts violation, with Nick coming out and saying, you have no right, I can't remember where that went. And I'm, tr- I'm trying to remember because then that was in conjunction with commissions. But Nick's go, I don't care. I'm not showing up to your meetings. I'm not paying your fines. I'm not doing it because I'm done. I'm retired. I just can't remember. That's my message. I can't remember. But I do know that retirement thing is very real because Conor McGregor went on a UFC tonight one time, right after they got in business with USADA. And Conor McGregor declared he was retired. Now, it was just one of those things. Remember when Conor would do, do anything to get attention? Maybe that's still where Connor's at, but he, he was retiring when he never once met it and was headed to the gym to train for his next match an hour later. But Dana had to come out and correct it publicly because Dana knew, wait a minute, that statement can remove you from the pool and getting you back into the pool is a real pain in the ass. So, And Dana said all of these things. He said that. Here's why I'm saying this. What he said could be misinterpreted if somebody thought he was sincere and it could remove him from the pool and getting his ass back into it is going to be a headache. So let me fix this right now. He's not retired. Okay? But I, just, I remember it was, a, it was a big deal. Nick Diaz is going to have to have those championship rounds on his side. And there's two Robbie Lawlers. The Robbie Lawler that won the world championship that went to war With Roy McDonald, the Robbie Lawler who Matt Brown said, and this is a quote, that's the toughest son of a bitch I've ever fought. If that Robbie Lawler shows up, Nick Diaz has huge problems, Regardless, forget about the triathlons. And there's always been a little bit of of pushback by me on this whole Nick Diaz is in great shape business. I mean, in in all fairness, I trust that he is. But if you look at a, a marathon, it is built for duration. You have to, in fights, have sprints. You have to have times where you're moving around and then you're throwing off the speed and then you're moving around. And I don't see those sprints from Nick. Now, I'm being ultra critical, but if the Robbie Lawler who won the world championship, the one that went five rounds with Johnny Hendricks, if that Robbie Lawler shows up, it won't matter what shape Nick is in. Nick is in good shape. He doesn't get beaten because he gets broken down and gets broken tired. I cannot tell you one fight that Nick Diaz has ever won where he weaponized conditioning. I feel like that's a great mistelling of the Nick Diaz story, because I heard it told a lot. I heard a lot of people saying, well, you go later and this guy can go all day. To weaponize pace the way Khabib did, the way George St. Pierre did, the way Dan Gable made famous to the world of sport in Munich, Germany in 1972 Olympics. You don't just have the pace to hold up, you got to go harder than the other guy. Nick won't go away, he won't back down, he won't quit because he's tired, but he does not put a pace on those guys that is overwhelming. And if I go back and look at the Robbie Lawler that won the world title, you don't want that guy in the fourth round. As tired as Robbie was in the fourth round, you don't want him in your first round. you don't you don't want that guy. And if that guy shows up, then this whole conditioning favors Nick Diaz is out the window. All right, well, if conditioning goes out the window, then what are we talking about? Well, I think you're talking about boxing. I think Nick is a lot like Nate. And they're going to talk about the, the pride in that Cesar Gracie jiu-jitsu black belt until they're blue in the face, but they're baiting you in. They're baiting you in to a fist of cuffs, which is where both Diaz boys do their best work. Robbie Lawler is too goddamn stubborn to go take Nick down or to even try to take Nick down. And I submit for you, Robbie's got the skills to take him down in every single round. He won't use them. He won't use them. So he's gonna go out there and trade. And that's the one place and the only place where staying active in this sport could work against you. You leave a little bit of yourself out there. You go look at the war. Colby Covington and Robbie Lawler had just by example. That takes time off your career. It doesn't add to your career. So now you're stuck with a real problem of who does this break favor? Who does it hinder? Where is this fight going to be contested? Which is in the stand-up, specifically boxing. You're gonna see very few kicks. We know that we know this much. And what factor will conditioning play? which Robbie Lawler plans to show up. It's tough. There's way more questions than there are answers. I am ready to make my official declaration. I am putting the curse. I am picking Nick Diaz. I know you guys love Nick Diaz, so I'll talk more about him later in the show. But coming up next, I wanna give my prediction. For tomorrow night's main and co main events. But before I do that, I want to tell you guys about today's sponsors. UFC 266 is coming right on our heels, and DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC, has a knockout offer for this weekend's fight. DraftKings is offering new customers $150. In free bets instantly if you bet just $1 on any fight before the main event that's right guys you bet $1 on any UFC 266 fight and DraftKings Sportsbook will give you $150 in free bets instantly don't worry if MMA isn't for you DraftKings Sportsbook offers great odds on promotions like football golf and so much more DraftKings is safe It's secure and it's reliable. And best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your money whenever you want. Don't miss out on the action at UFC 266 with DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code CHAIL when you sign up to receive $150 in free bets instantly. If you bet a dollar, on a UFC 266 match. Use the code CHAIL to receive $150 instantly only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. There's big news from my favorite home security company, Simply Safe. Just launched their new wireless outdoor security camera. That's right. Simply Safe, the system the US News and World Report names best home security system of 2021, just got even better. The brand new outdoor security camera is engineered with all the advanced tech and security features you want and need to help keep you and your family safe. Mine is on the way and I'm excited to install this puppy. It's an ultra-wide 140 degree field of view, so you can keep watch over your entire yard. It has 1080p HD resolution with an 8 time zoom. That means you can zoom in and clearly see things like faces and license plates to capture critical information. One of my favorite features is the built-in spotlight with color night vision. You can keep an eye on what's going on all day and all night. It's super simple to set up and usually takes about five minutes. And it has an easy to remove rechargeable battery so it doesn't need an outlet and can go anywhere on your property. This camera has it all and integrates with your Simply Safe home security system, extending its protection to the outside. Together, it means every door, window, and room are protected, and now your property will too. To learn more about this exciting new Simply Safe wireless outdoor security system, visit simplysafe.com/chale. What's more, Simply Safe is celebrating this new camera by offering 20% off your entire new system and your first month of monitoring service free when you enroll in interactive monitoring. Again, that's simplysafecom slash Guys, is there something interfering with your happiness or preventing you from achieving your goals? Be honest, I'll be transparent back. I have at times in my life struggled in these areas and I didn't get through it by myself. BetterHelp is a great online therapy and counseling platform that allows you to reach out for help from the privacy of your own home. This is not a crisis line, guys. It's not self-help. It's professional counseling done securely online. You can start communicating with a professional counselor in under 48 hours. And that's good news for some of us who need help immediately. There is a broad range of expertise available, which may not locally be available in your area, especially if your state is still shut down because of the pandemic. This service is available for clients worldwide. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor. You will get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room like you do with traditional therapy. It's more affordable than traditional counseling and financial aid is available. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. Visit betterhelp.com slash to join the over 2 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional BetterHelp is offering my listeners 10% off a month of service so don't hesitate to reach out and get help now. Visit BetterHelp. That's slash better, sunn and get started. My official prediction Shevchenko versus Lauren Murphy. I'm going Shevchenko. I think that Shevchenko is the most dominant fighter in the sport right now. I would officially give that nod to Amanda Nunes. I feel that I have to. They met up head to head. They met up head to head twice. I officially feel... The right thing to do is to stay Amanda. But if you do take a closer look, you can make a very good argument for the bullet. It really doesn't matter who wins that. If we have established that it's down to the bullet and Amanda, we've given the praise that we're attempting to give to Valentina. Correct? Okay. There was a point in Valentina's career where I could distinctly tell you, you don't want to be on your feet with her. Get her to the ground. Whatever happens there, May not go your way, but it will go better for you than if you stand up with her. I cannot tell you that anymore. I am not convinced she isn't more vicious and violent on the ground. I don't know if there is another gal who I can refer to as vicious. I don't know if there is another athlete I can refer to as violent. That's a tough word. I mean, you're getting into Justin Gaethje, right, territory. Eddie Alvarez territory. Violent. I know guys want to be. That actually are. She is. She will break your arm. And she will not lose a bit of sleep about doing it. She will knock you out and she will do a dance when she's done for her crowd. She will not think about you. She has a cold heart. And you have to have that in competition. You have to. It's not only do I want to win. Am I willing to take their dreams away? Am I willing to take it from my opponent? Take all their hard work, all their dedication. Not give a damn and take all the glory for myself. It it takes that. There is an element that where black heart is required for success, and she is stoic as hell. I mean, she really is. Now look at the other side of the coin. Lauren Murphy wants to be here, and if you talk to any sports psychologist, there's three categories, but they will go in this order, I have to be here. Then you will get, if you're lucky, I get to be here. In a real home run, after you really work with somebody on the mental side and the visualization of things and years of work, you get to the ultimate step, which many athletes don't ever get to, which is I want to be here. Not I have to do this, not I get to do this, I want to do this. Laura Murphy wants to be here. She wants this fight. She is 38 years old, I believe she came from Alaska. Now Shevchenko not only has a sister who's a killer, Shevchenko's mother was a badass. You wanna think of Floyd Mayweather? You wanna think of uh, AJ McKee where your, your, your trainer is your pops and he's just across the hall? And you're moving furniture out in the living room and you're getting reps in? And you know people like that. You know the advantages that they had and it could be any sport. Their dad played some some college ball somewhere. They're out in the front yard, right? They got the tire and the hoop, and they're shooting it. The, and all of a sudden, that guy's the starting quarterback, getting a scholarship himself. I mean, it's a real thing. It's true in fighting as well. Shevchenko has some built-in natural advantages. Shevchenko has a chip on her shoulder. I don't know where it comes from. She is so decorated. And if you think that I'm praising the glory on here right now in heaping amounts have anybody else do what I'm doing on the topic of Valentina Shevchenko, they sound just like me. This isn't heaping praise. This is the reality. She is this good. But when I say she has a chip on her shoulder, to be the best in the world and a dominant best, where no athlete is trying to beat you, they're trying to make it the distance, we're the last athlete to beat you didn't win the fight, they won a round. And they got talked about for three minutes on Sports Center. They lost the fight. They won a round. And Sports Center covered them at the desk in the PM hour. Okay? That's a level of success that Valentina has that is very hard to explain. And when you have somebody like that who is getting better, that's where things start to get scary. Flat scary. Valentina Shinko, who was the best fighter in the world, came out with a whole new skill set. And I remember the night she did it. It was against Jessica I. She went for the armbar. She didn't even get it. Jessica Ai is too damn tough. Let her let her arm go. But the way Shevchenko set it up, got to half guard, stepped over, rotated, sat back, arched the hips, controlled the placement of the thumb. The technique was beyond perfect. And it also opened a oh crap factor. If you were in the division. Oh crap. I thought I was safer. Safe, or not safe. Safer there. I'm not. I'm not safe anywhere. With the bullet. But for the bullet to be going to the practice room. As the champion. Who can't lose a fight. And has only lost a round. She didn't have to get better. She will never have to get better. She will never lose that. But she will retire queen. No one's going to catch her. She's getting better. She doesn't believe what I just said. She's still hungry. She doesn't realize she's the greatest. Nobody can threaten her. She doesn't see it that way. And the true greats, the greats, are never satisfied. They have that chip, that same anger that Anthony Smith spoke about very briefly in his post-fight interview, just to offer you guys a recent example. That is that same attitude that Shevchenko has. And I've never met her, but I'm right. To watch her martial arts, which means it's a form of communication, to watch her expression and to interpret the fact that she's getting better when she was already the best, to interpret that any other way is inaccurate. Lauren Murphy knows what I just said is true. And Laurie Murphy does not believe she has to fight her. She does not believe she gets to fight her. Lauren Murphy wants to fight her. That is the first step of every upset story that has ever happened in sport. The first step to the Buster Douglas Mike Tyson is the mental approach of the challenger. I cannot tell you where Murphy can beat her. I cannot tell you she has better kicks, better punches. She's faster, stronger, bigger, faster, slicker on the ground, or has better condition. I can't. It doesn't mean she can't win. It doesn't mean that she can't get a little momentum on her side, find something in the moment, find a combination or two that lands, and repeat that all night long. I don't predict for you she will. I predict for you the bullet is going to have victory. I will offer for you that of the three stages of mindset, have to, get to, want to, Murphy is in the right place. My official prediction, Volkanovski versus Ortega, and new, and new. I just double-crossed Brian Ortega, didn't I? Guys, I don't submit for you that Brian Ortega is a better fighter. I damn sure don't submit for you that he's faster. I guarantee you he is not stronger. I worry about his conditioning because I think that that's an underrated tool of Volkanovsky. I think Volkanovsky's output is an intangible that's very hard for you to see at home. But that all of his opponents who come out of the ring after fighting him talk about Say was a problem, he was on me non-stop, he would not give me a break, he would not back away. So how is Brian Ortega going to get it done, right? I guess you call it a gut feeling. I think Brian Ortega loses the fight. I think he loses each round of the fight until the fourth round where he hits something dynamic, opens a cut, and or knocks him out. How's that for specific? I feel that though, and I never give you guys a how, I mean, I, I, I'm not great at picking fights anyway, but it, let alone knowing the how, that would be a crapshoot. I feel this with Ortega. I got to see Brian Ortega train. I followed the ultimate fighter. I followed both of these guys' his career, but I got to see Ortega one day with my own eyes. I got to see him in practice. I got to see some of the stuff that he was working on. I can't share with you a damn thing I saw in practice. That's the rules. If somebody did that to me, I would never forgive him, and I, I, I can't do it. I am going to leave it at one word, though. Dynamic. Mr. Left and Right Hand, Mr. slipping and Uppercut, Mr. Get a Guillotine if you take a shot, is not who's coming to this fight. Brian Ortega learned a lot. And there's many people that believe your greatest victory will come in defeat. When the story of Brian Ortega's career is told, particularly if he captures the championship this Saturday... His greatest victory will not have been against Volkanovsky. It will have been in the loss to Max Holloway and what he learned and changed. And it's very rare that you see a fighter as open and honest with an assessment of himself as we were with Brian Ortega when he lost to Max. I've possibly only seen one fighter to that level of openness, and it was Conor McGregor when he lost to Nathan Diaz Part 1. Conor's statement was brief. He tipped his hat to Nate and walked away. He said one thing. I was not efficient with my energy. That is a very fancy way of saying I got tired and I quit. But as long as Connor knows what happens, he can then go and make changes, which is exactly what Connor did. And even though Ortega is not going to be in there with Max, so it's not apples to apples, I'm telling you, from what I witnessed, from what I witnessed, and I got I to gotta be broad here because this was a private workout. I'm going to use the word dynamic. He is not just going to throw jabs and crosses and an uppercut and threaten you with a guillotine on your way in. That's not the guy that's coming to this fight. This is a guy with a lot more weapons, and they're damaging. They're fight-ending. I think he's going to take a beating. But I don't think it's him who's going to be worn down in championship rounds. I think there's going to be some rope-a-dope there. I think he's going to do the wearing down, even if he's throwing rounds away. And I think that some of these techniques that I'm alluding to, I think I need to start to zip it. I'm I'm starting to say a little too much. I think I'm alluding to, and I think you're going to see one of them in the fourth round. And I think you have a new champion named Brian Ortega. To close out today's show, let's return to the subject of Nick Diaz, who makes his long-awaited return tomorrow night. He's one of the sport's most beloved guys, and I heard something about Nick the other day that I want to bring to you. Joe Rogan did a piece talking about how Nick Diaz changed the sport. Joe maintained that Nick, with his cardio, completely changed the philosophy of... Which was, at the time, seek and destroy. Hit this guy as hard as I can. Get him the hell out of there as quickly as I can. Nick changed it to, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to pepper you. I'm going to touch you nonstop. I'm going to get on top of you. I'm going to talk to you. I'm going to let you see that I'm not tired. I'm going to do twice as much work as you. Joe went on to say that the Diaz brothers, both of them, Nick and Nate, participate in triathlons. It's why they are so durable. They are cardio machines. Boom, stop. Joe just said what all of the rest of you believe. Is it true? Is one single word of that true? And that is a little bit of a deeper conversation because I have never seen one of the Diaz boys get tired and quit. Why do you not want to get tired in a fight? Obvious question, obvious answer, I'm aware, but we do have to start with that. Why do you not want to get tired? Because if you get tired, you'll quit. Fatigue will make a coward out of any man. So you don't want to get to the point of exhaustion where you can no longer go on. Follow the golden rule, which is protect yourself at all times. That is the biggest fear of a combat athlete. Combat athlete, wrestling, jiu-jitsu, MMA, boxing. His biggest fear is not losing. His biggest fear is reaching exhaustion and not being able to finish the match. I have never seen one of the Diaz boys close to that. Maybe they hide it. Maybe they're in great shape. I have never seen them get tired and quit. And when you talk about somebody's heart how tough are they, heart, right? The the word that every fighter wants to have and that some will be judged in front of the world and rule he doesn't have heart. All you're really talking about is conditioning. Can the guy go on? Can the guy push through? Is he in better shape? Shape doesn't sound nearly as exciting as a dialogue as when you use the word heart. With that said... I'm still asking you, is it true? Because, because why they have checked the most important box, which is they don't they don't quit. They don't get tired and quit. They have what it takes to finish the night. That's the most important box. But you go from there to can you weaponize pace? And that is what Joe is, is attempting to maintain, is that Nick Diaz weaponized pace. And I would ask Joe when. I know that's the belief. I know all of you say it. I know everybody talks about it. I'm asking you when. You have 20 years. You have 30 fights. You have 129 rounds. I'm asking you to tell me one example when he weaponized pace, And I don't think you can find it. And that is a, a meaningful difference. And it is one of the problems that the triathlon brings with it. Yes, you can hold up 25 minutes later. You can still be there. Have you weaponized pace? Can you go on a sprint? Can you make the other guy quit? Can you get the other guy's heart rate beating so hard that he can no longer think and he needs to get out? And that is the way that the story is told on the Diaz boys. I'm just asking you to give me an example of when. One time. And I'll settle for a round. You don't even have to give me a fight. You tell me one round. Round three again. I'll listen. I haven't seen it. I'm open to the idea. I haven't seen it. I do always hear about the threats of the cardio, and I admit it's amazing that they never quit. But if you can't weaponize pace like, say, George St. Pierre or Khabib Nurmagomedov, two perfect examples, you'd have to go all- back all the way to Randy Couture. Randy Couture was the first athlete with an MMA to just come at you so hard you simply couldn't hold up. Skills were out the door. Randy had no belt in anything. And all of a sudden, he's got a gold belt, says he's the best in the world. He did not have a purple belt in jiu-jitsu. He did not have a brown belt in jiu-jitsu. He didn't have a white belt in taekwondo or a green belt in karate. He had no belts, and all of a sudden, he's got a gold belt, says I can beat all the rest of you. Why? Well, he weaponized pace. He got you so tired, you could not continue the match. He was the first to do that in MMA. He was not the first to do that in sport. The first to do that in sport was 1972, a man named Dan Gable. Dan Gable is the first to let everybody know if I get my opponent to a point of exhaustion, skills no longer matter. I can do whatever I want with him. All right. Seems seems like a very basic concept right now, right? Well, I'm sure it is. It wasn't until Dan Gable, Munich, Germany, Olympic Games, 1972. All right. Where does that story come from? Because I have heard it many times. You don't want to go a long night with the Diaz boys. (laughs) They'll be there. They will be there. I am for sure complimentary to the Diaz boys. I don't know that the sport was redone. I don't know that Nick has ever one time broken a guy with pressure. And I do blame that. I do blame that on the triathlons. Those are meant for a duration. You are much better if you're training for MMA to do what's called interval training, where you are going super hard. You are on a sprint. Your heart rate is at its absolute max. It's popping out of your chest. You have to quit. You rest for 20 seconds, and boom, you go back to that sprint. You rest a little bit. You go back to that sprint. That's how you break a guy. Very seldomly, and I know there is examples you could show me, but very seldomly can you break a guy with one pace... It ha- you have to let off because you're a human being. You gotta let, then you gotta come back at him again. Then you gotta let off just a little bit. Then you gotta come back in again. It's up and down and up and down and up and down. And the guys who have weaponized pace and there's only two of recent memory: George St Pierre and Khabib Nurmagomedov. Now every other fighter to have ever done this, in conjunction with their trainer, will prepare every day to be able to do that. They just don't get to that level. Competitions doing the same thing. It all evens out. You've got to have two things to weaponize pace. Great DNA and an unrelenting drive towards your training. But you must have both. Every fighter has the unrelenting drive. If they weren't blessed with the DNA from Jump Street, you don't get to that point. So I, I most definitely would disagree with Joe that Nick changed the sport. Randy Couture was already here. Randy Couture was the first to have ever done it in MMA. And Nick's pace, as good as it is, it's great. There's no insult to Nick. It's a great pace. It's not what George St. Pierre's is. George was here the whole time Nick was here. So there's no scenario where Nick is the one that changed the sport. That is false. But I would push back a little bit harder, and I'm very open to being wrong, by the way. I'm very open to you providing me with that fight. Providing me with that match. Providing me with the round. Where Nick went so hard, the opponent couldn't hold up and quit. I'm very open to it. But unless you provide that, that that is a wildly inaccurate statement. And that narrative has been going around for I don't know how long. I don't know how long. And it goes to both Nick and Nate. Historically speaking, if you were to go back and look at the fifth round of every Diaz fight, you are not going to find an overwhelming victory from the judges. You're not. You were to go back to the fourth round of every DS fight, you're going to bring in both brothers. You're not going to find an overwhelming victory by the judges. I don't know what that would be. I don't know what that would be. I don't even, I I will submit for you, I don't even think that it's positive. I don't know what the ratio, I don't think it's even in the positive category. The talk of that conditioning Being because of a diet or being because of a nutrition or some kind of special dry man, it's not true. It's never been true. There is not a weaponization of pace there. There is two tough sons of bitches who work plenty hard, who in conjunction with mental toughness have never quit. That is honorable. That is as honorable as it gets. Those are not the two guys that you don't want to be in the fourth and fifth round with because you simply can't hold up, and the numbers prove it. The numbers absolutely prove it. But the the narrative continues. The dialogue continues. The belief continues. Why? What is so impressive about a triathlon, in all fairness? What's so impressive? You ever been to one? Have you ever been to one? I happen to be one over the weekend. I was supporting my teammate, Bob, who came in third in the world and did a fantastic job. God bless him. Total stud. He's 80 years old. That's why I followed him and it's why I supported him so much. I thought it was such a cool goal. Either way, an 80-year-old man did it. What's, I'm, just, I'm just asking you, what, what is so goddamn impressive about a, a bit of biking? you got to take biking off the board, in all fairness. And the swimming, you kind of got to take it off the board. Whatever the numbers call for in an Ironman, triathlon, anywhere, whatever they call for, take those two off the board, just go do the run in the amount of time, you're good with me. Of the triathlon, the run is the only one that matters. If you can just do the run, you're good with me. But you'll be good in every other sport as well. You'll be able to hold up. You really don't need to go pedal around and you you really don't need to go swim in a a, uh, little suit. The cap on your head. I mean, in all fairness, the triathlon, guys, enough. Stop. All right, guys. That's it for today's episode. If you want more, just head on over to TikTok. Search my name and give me a follow. I'm off to Vegas for UFC 266. Enjoy the night. Enjoy the fights. And I'll be back here next Wednesday to talk about it all. Until then, I'm Chael Sonnen. And you are welcome.